Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 66 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, Tyler and Coomzy coming to you post opening weekend series. And we do this all season long. You'll expect uh, you'll have a brand new pod after every single series for the Jays. Coomzy, the Jays, I think it's fair to say they started the season with a bang. That was a really, really fun weekend of baseball to start the year. It definitely was. It felt like it almost felt like we picked up exactly where we left off, right? Like we finished off last year playing Baltimore, kicked the shit out of them, scored a hundred runs, wind up missing the playoffs despite winning 91 games. Everyone's hearts broken, but it was a real ride. It was really intense, really exciting, really fun. And then we just start off this season with that huge, insane comeback in the first game, another win. And then on Sunday, all of a sudden they just crash into the ground and allow 12 runs. And it was, there was a lot going on, but it was a, it was a blast of a weekend. It's, it's good to have it back. So you were in the building for game one uh, opening day. I want your take on a couple of things. One, just general vibes, fans in the building, what it was like to be back into the new scoreboard. I'll touch on the scoreboard first. That's interesting. The, um, I think one way that I'll put it is you notice it when you come in and it makes the whole place seem brighter. Like I have no idea what that's going to look like when the roof is open or, you know, when it's daytime, nighttime roof open, I don't know, but when it's domed up, it looks like just, just intense. It, it really adds kind of like a kick to the stadium. And then the other thing with the lights is before the first game on Friday and I did a, a pretty funky little light show with these blue lights ripping around and it felt like something you would have seen at like Epcot. <laughs> if you're the, if you're the type of person from out here that spends some time in Florida, you'd probably be cognizant of the types of light shows you'd see at Epcot. And it was much akin to that. So that was kind of fun, but the vibe in general was sick. It was, you know, the first time the Jays have had an excited packed house. Like last July, there was first game back. That was, you know, that was sweet. 15,000 people, super emotional, fun thing, but there hasn't been like a, a hype game at, in Toronto I, like this. And since, since the playoff runs, right. Since 15, uh, 2015, 2016, because you know, I don't think the opening days in 17, 18 or 19 had the same energy as this. And that felt like a playoff game. Uh, you know, when they were doing Okanda, things like that, when, when Teoscar hit that home or when the, when the, in the first game, when the, um, when the runner was called safe and they overturned the call, like it was electric, just electric. It came through on the broadcast. It came through on the broadcast. Like it it was, it was lit watching that. And when Teoscar hit that home run, like I was up out of my, up off my couch, like jumping and fist pumping. Cause like I was that fired up about it. Um, so it's great to hear how sick is it? Sorry, go. 
you could feel people start to buzz after that inning when they scored the three runs. Mm-hmm. It was seven to three, and it was like, well, they're still pretty far back, but everyone was starting to buzz. It was like everyone kind of felt like the comeback was coming, and that's what that's what made it so wild. Is I think a lot of people just kind of had the expectation they were just going to come back and do it, which is which is weird. But I think I think a lot of us felt that way. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of got that vibe too. Like they made it seven, three and you just kind of sit there and, and maybe it's cause we don't have like any sort of like during the season, they're going to lose games. They're going to get blown out a few times this year. Like that shit is going to happen. They lost whatever 12, six in the series finale, but because all we've done for the last six weeks is hype up this group and talk about how good they were when it was, when they made it seven, three, I was like, they can do this. Like we've been talking about how this can be one of the best 200 home runs between their top six guys on the preview. Right. Um, so it really did have that vibe to it. Uh, the other thing, when they hit a home run, are they doing like, they're doing that weird light thing, right? Where they like flicker the lights. Yeah. So they've added some different light stuff. Like when uh, Jordan Romano came in, they had a whole so cool team. Yeah, it was cool. Like a whole, uh, red maple leaf candle light show. Like I thought it was, a lot of pressure to throw on Jared Romano's shoulders in this Fair. game. I was like, holy shit. They're just setting the stage for like a in, insanely intense moment. And he, he really came through and yeah. it was because I wasn't expecting that at all. Like I didn't know any of the new light show stuff or anything. And that was the one that really stood out to me. It was like, damn, I've never seen the Jays do stuff like this. It was very theatrical. Yeah. Theatrical. That's a good way to put it. Like they hit like the Vegas home run. Golden Knights kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's what you see like there. I would, I would never expect the Jays to do stuff like this. Yeah. And that, I, I like that comparison too, but it theatrical, that's a fantastic word. It ties into uh, Vladdy saying that last year was the trailer. This is the movie. They seem to really be buying in to that theme as well. But when they hit a home run and the lights are flickering, when Romano comes yeah. in and it's dark and lights up red, I think about like another team even like down the stretch when you're playing big games and the Jays maybe get some momentum. I think it helps. I think it gives you a bit of like a mental edge when your building is hostile almost. And you have all these things going off when you're doing well. And the other team could just get that feeling like, fuck me, here we go again. Like Jays are going nuts. Well, this is how you get the fans charged yeah. up too, right? Like if you start doing this now and everyone sees it in April then you come back in September and you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. They do that. Like, this whole jig before the closer comes in. It's like, this is kind of a weird comparison to draw, but in 2002, when the angels won the world series, they had this fucking monkey that just jumped around the rally monkey and the fans there just loved it. And you go back and watch like the, uh, the, 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 the 30 for 30 on the 2002 angels team and the game that San Francisco blew. It was what threw the pitchers off was the fans getting so fired up. about this goddamn monkey. (laughs) And you know, you just have shit like that. And the, the fans just love it. And it's just, it makes it more of a vibe. It's more exciting. A great stat from Gregor Chisholm on that big comeback victory. He said the win was borderline historic in a quirky baseball way. The Jays become the third team since 1901, third team since 1901 to overcome at least a seven run deficit to pick up a victory on opening day. They joined the 1901 Tigers who were down by 10 and the 1950 Red Sox who were down by nine. It was unbelievable. It's one of those games that we're going to look back on for a long, long time. And remember in this one, um, a bunch of standouts. We're going to get to a few of them in three up, three down. Um, but uh, the next game, game two, Saturday, they come out, they win a tight one, four, three, Bo Bichette cranks his first dinger of the year. Um, a solid win, I would say. Um, definitely not as sexy or flashy as that opening day one. But the fact they got started to a 
they started the season two and oh, like solid to me. Like no complaints really for me on that middle game. No, I think the nice thing about the second game is the fact that it was calm and it was nice to see a game where, you know, your starter goes five innings and he allows three runs. Okay. That's fine. That's not terrible. An April start, whatever. And then four relievers come in and just slam the door. They allow one hit and one walk and that's it. And that's what you like to see because that is not what we saw last year. And we've talked yeah. about this many times, you know, the, the Jays left three, four five games in the table last April and this is what I think a lot of us were nervous about coming to the year. If there's one thing about this team, that's an enigma and one thing that could suck the relievers could suck, but it was nice to see, you know, that on Saturday, they just come in, slam the door, you know, Sunday's obviously a different story, but that those aren't the relievers that matter. They're not the, you know, the, the key names. It's like, okay, it's on the end of the world. If you see Tyler Sacedo or, Ross Stripling get lit up. It's like, you're happy to see Garrett Richards, Jimmy Garcia, Tim Mays, and Jordan Romano come in and just slam the door. So that was a huge positive right off the bat. So game three here, it starts off with an absolute bang, right? You got the Springer dinger first of the year, Matt Chapman, who is hitless through two games. He comes through with just an absolute bomb as well. And then as the broadcast is joking about how, Oh yeah, Vladdy's going to get teased because he's one of the few guys who hasn't put on the jacket yet. Like all this stuff, he cranks just a beyond impressive home run. Like that was stupid. The way that thing came off the bat and someone tweeted me about it. It looked like it was still rising when it hit the seats. Like he crushed that thing. I thought it was going to go. So it, it wound up just coming just short of the flight deck, like the, the way that it was hit. And when it was in center field, I thought it was going to drill someone in the flight deck. I was like, this is going to hit someone in like the face or the <laughs> chest. Like this is dangerous. And then it, it, it just dies like kind of right yeah. before that. But it was like, damn, that was hit like an absolute weapon. It was just the noise that it made too. was just insane. So you you describe game two as like a chill kind of low key game. It really looked like at that point, Vladdy hits his dinger in the bottom of the third and you're like, it's six one, you know, Hunjin Ryu has looked pretty solid through three innings. You could say this is going to be a cakewalk. They're going to breeze their way to a sweep and life's good. And then the wheels just absolutely come off. They give up six in the fourth, two in the fifth, three in the seventh. And they just never really get a sniff of any sort of offensive rally going after that either. Um, again, like the relievers who get lit up aren't really the relievers that mattered, but I mean, the game you're up six, one, you would like to see them close that thing out. You would. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. This two minutes ago, I just said, Hey, it was nice to see the good relievers come in and slam the door in a one run win in April. That's great. But it also sucks to see the Jays score six runs in a game and not win. And you kind of realize, okay, this is going to be a problem. Like there's, I'm not going to get nervous about pitching yet because it feels like the pitchers didn't have a real spring training. These are kind of still spring training starts for them. And especially like you're, you're, you're kind of in like the spring training warm up mode because you haven't had as long of a warm up as usual in front of like 40,000 people. So that's a bit chaotic. Um, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, these, these relievers getting lit up are the ones you kind of expect to get lit up a bit, but you don't want to see Kenjin Ryu kind of have the start that he did. That was kind of the worrying thing is, you know, he's the one pitcher whose wheels completely came off last year in the second half. And you kind of hope like, okay, like let's get off to a good start this year. Hopefully this guy is still a top end starter, at least a middle of the rotation starter, not a problem, but you know, it, it, it turned really fast. It was kind of like, you might remember like during the RA Dickey days, he'd be cruising and then all of a sudden the wheels fall off and you kind of know they've fallen off and you're like, Oh geez, like this isn't good. So let's hope it's just early season jitters, but 
You're right. You could kind of get the sense of like, yeah, he might be losing it. And then you eventually found yourself being like, boy, I hope they luck into a couple hard contact outs here and are just able to fucking survive the rest yeah. of this inning. That that it, we'll touch on the three starters in a second, actually. Uh, first, let's get to our Twig and Berries Twitter takes for this week. Uh, we're going to put out a tweet after every series. We want to hear from you. you. We want you jumping in and giving us your takes on the show. Brought to you by Are Twig we ranking and the takes? Is that what are, are we doing that again? Yeah, we could. Everyone's takes out of 10? Sure, we could absolutely yeah, rank funny. everyone's like takes that. out of 10. Yeah, we'll give everybody a score of 1 to 10 on their takes. Twigandberries.ca. You can use the promo code NATION15. Gets you 15% off. Up your wardrobe before the summer. Um, there's a couple here that do deserve ratings. Uh, Garth just simply said, hitting, thumbs up. Pitching, <laughs> thumbs down. And I think that's fair. That's like a that's a pretty solid take. Like that's a 7 out of 10 analysis from this opening series. That's fine. Yeah, that's that's accurate. But to be fair, I'd say one thing that was kind of disappointing about the Sunday game is there wasn't even like a riff or, or a whip of a rally. Yeah, late so, there really wasn't. Can we really give them a full <laughs> thumbs up? I don't know. Any series that sees you erase a seven run deficit, <laughs> even though you later on blow a five or six run deficit or lead. That's OK. I'm OK with it. Uh, Matt Sullivan says, as this series wraps up, the Texas Rangers have yet to win a World Series. Yes. The 10 that's out right. of 10 that's, tweet. That's a 10 for me, for sure, for sure. That's uh, great. Danny said, pitchers drool, hitters rule, split with the Yankees. Glaber Torres makes an error when his pants fall down. So looking ahead a little bit to the big series <laughs> against the Yankees, but similar theme of, uh, you know, the pitching let him down. Hitters found a way to came, come through um, at PayPay75. Okay, interesting handle. Uh, you can worry about pitching in May, not in the opening week after a short spring training. That's rational. That's kind of what I, what I said in my really long winded rant there. And that's a little bit more concise way of saying it. Yeah. Um, I'll, give that, I, I'll give that a nine. Yeah. I, but think I do so. think, I, I think I'd say I, I disagree. Wait till May. I think in like later April, I think we can start to worry once everyone's had like two starts. Then if they have a third bad start, then you're like, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Riley says, I think the biggest story should be how bad the umps have been league wide. Just brutal in the opening weekend. In the third game, the Jays were not happy. Tay Oscar was pissed off a few times. Springer sprinkled throughout the series a couple of times. He was mad specifically on check swings. Uh, Did he? Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. I saw um, it was when Gurriel struck out looking on a low pitch. Charlie flipped the fuck out. the, The camera panned to the bench and he was like, coming up the stairs, like getting shouted. I haven't often, I haven't, I haven't seen him get that mad that many times. And it was kind of shocking to see him doing that in the beginning of the season. What if this is like a new Charlie this year? What if he's like now fully recognizing like, all right, it's world series window. I'm not playing nice anymore. And Charlie's just a dick great. to umps all year. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. It'd be, a, it'd be fun to see a little more sass and Charlie get a little bit more yeah. intense, get a little bit more John Gibbons in him. Just start getting tossed from games on a weekly basis. Looking tossed like once or twice now. Like that's it, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think like very few times where like John Schneider's had to take over the bench or whatever yeah. would happen last year. Pete Walker, I remember, got tossed that one time last year in Tampa, which was hilarious. That was when he lost his shit. Um, look for the tweet after the Yankees series and you can give us your uh, takes on Twitter and we will rate them on the podcast. That's our new bit <laughs> that we just came that's up great. with on the spot brought to you by Twig and Berries. That's how this podcast rolls. Uh, let's move into our three up, three down for the opening series as well. The first point we got written down here is that the bullpen was just fantastic in the first two games, like erasing the seven, nothing deficit. You can talk about how the haters were great and the offense carried them. You don't have a chance to erase any deficit if your bullpen gives up more runs and the bullpen was 
just lights out through that entire game. Like even Adam Simber giving up a home run, that dude never gives up home runs to righties. So the fact he gave one up, I'm not even like that upset about him giving that up. Like bullpen was fantastic. That's a big up for me in the first two games. Yeah, that was huge. Like, I mean, it wasn't great off the hop. Like Taylor Sacedo came in and he got out of the inning, the Brio inning, which looked like it was never going to end. And then, you know, he gets tagged for two runs and Trent Thornton clears two innings, only allows one run and stripling Merriweather back to back, no runs. And it's like, okay, wow. Like we're actually in this and Simber allows the game tying home run. And then Jimmy Garcia Romano just slammed the door and the Romano close was damn, that was an electric close. Like, the building got loud multiple different times throughout that game. But when Jordan Romano came into pitch, that was right up there. That was, that was really exciting. Franchise record, 25 consecutive saves finished off by Jordan Romano uh, dating back to last year. It's quite remarkable. The run that he's been on as the Jays closer, yeah. the angle of him being the Canadian closer too, just like it, it the Canadian Jays fan in me, you know, kind of feels good yeah. about that. Like there's that nice emotional connection to him. I think. It's a bit cheesy, but it yeah, is. we all, we, we do love to see, we like to see a Canadian player to thrive with the Blue Jays. And it's kind of a fun role to see one yeah. play in too. Cause it's like, well, there's Eric Gagne and there's never really been another one, right? Like, has yep. there ever been a sick Canadian closer? No, it's just Gagne. So cool to see Romano thrive in this role. Actually, no, there's John Axford, of course. Ah, uh, yeah. How could I forget? Um, and so Eric, Gagne, Eric Gagne eventually got dinged for doing a bunch of steroids, if I remember correctly. Steroids, yeah. He saved like 66 games that year or some shit. It was nuts. Uh, second one, I, the bats. Uh, specifically, I, I was watching. So the season opener, I was watching with a few of my buddies and we were just kind of talking about how like Teoscar Hernandez back to back silver sluggers. This guy's an all star, raked a ton of dingers last year, but he still doesn't get enough love. I think both from Jays fans and from people outside of Toronto. Like, I think the real diehards, obviously, we know how good Teoscar Hernandez is, but everyone just loves, you know, it's it's Springer, it's Bo and it's Vlad. Right. And it's that big three. And we know their lineups deep. I'm not saying it's not obviously, but for just how damn good Teoscar Hernandez is. I feel like we need, I, I at least wanted to give him some love here. Cause I feel like sometimes he gets a little bit underappreciated. You know, he does. You don't, you don't hear his name mentioned very often. You talk about like star, very good players, but he was an all-star last year. Like you said, he would have been an all-star in 2022 if there was an all-star game, but there wasn't, he finished 11th in MVP voting in the American league that year. Right. <laughs> finished 19th in, in MVP voting last year. Good MVP votes. Like that's insane. Teoscar's unreal. Like the guy is um, also starting to come up frequently in like clutch moments like that. Mm -hmm. And he's just becoming one of those players. I, I, I saw on Twitter and we always do this. I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody was comparing Teoscar's career offensive numbers to Jose Bautista's. And they're actually quite similar. Like Bautista obviously has the higher peak because he had the, you know, 2010 season and then yeah. the the season following the, the MVP caliber seasons. But, you know, Teoscar now he's been doing it for a few years. He's really damn good. And it's, it's, we always talk about Bowen Vlad lifetime contracts, but it's like, geez, do you put Teoscar in that mix too? I, I think you do. And I think his play absolutely merits it. Um, a couple of other guys lower down the lineup who really came through, obviously Santiago Espinal with a pair of just absolute darts coming in, pinch hitting and smoking <laughs> a few. Uh, and then you have Danny Jansen coming through with two dingers in opening weekend as well. And if you were like me and you were on points bet and you had the Jays minus one and a half in that first game, Jansen's home run in the eighth was massive. It's the only reason I won my bet. So I was fired up to see Jansen do that. Espinal was a big story. You know, Jack Espinal's doing great things. Um, but those two guys lower in the lineup really got my attention as well. Yeah, it's a really deep lineup this year. It's like, mm -hmm. it's it's wild seeing Matt Chapman all the way down there too. It's like you go through this gauntlet of guys and it's Matt Chapman's there. Santiago Espinal seems to really have kind of, a, again, a knack for coming up clutch. He's one of those guys where 
you know, usually you'd, you'd see that kind of player come up in the lineup and be like, oh, fuck, this guy's batting, you know, like a Ryan Goins. You're like, ah, oh, geez, I'd, I'd rather this not be happening. Mm-hmm. But Santiago Espinal comes up and you're like, oh, geez, if someone's going to like, you know, poke a ball through the middle or like hit a double, it's Santiago Espinal. The guy's just, he's, he's just inexplicably clutch. He just has that, he has that energy to him. I can't explain it. Do you agree or disagree with the uh, talk about needing to just make him the everyday second baseman and not doing the the split with him and Biggio? I don't know. I'm, I think it's I'm, early. I'm not, it is early because, you know, he's doing well in that role. And I think if you play him every day and he gets overexposed and starts seeing really difficult pitches all the time, maybe he loses some confidence, loses some swagger. I just don't know if it's too fast. I think you wait for him or whoever in the platoon to get the the everyday ride mm-hmm. you have to wait for someone to really blow up for like a week at least to do that it's not just oh geez in game one he had two big hits in the comeback you know that's yeah. that seems a little premature and i you know i'm all aboard the san diego espinal hype train but i think we should we should give kevin Bijou a little bit more of a ride right yeah i think so i think you got to give him a bit more of a fair shake and like you said it, it i think a part of this is confidence too like don't overplay the guy don't ruin a good thing right don't get greedy maybe as weird as that sounds because if a guy's productive you want to play him more but i think stick with the current plan let it go a few weeks give yourself a solid sample size here there's no need to be benching Kevin biggio because santiago espinal had a couple of clutch at bats in the first two games right like it's just and i loved seeing it but we don't need to get too far ahead of ourselves here. Uh, the third up we have for this one is just that the vibes were phenomenal. And uh, from being phenomenal. on Twitter and seeing people tweet, like the fact that we got a nice Jeff Passon tweet early in the year or after early in the night after that comeback. And he tweeted out, Blue Jays are going to be a lot of fun this year. Like, yeah, damn right they are, man. And we're going to watch them all 162. Yeah, it was funny seeing just like the baseball world kind of take notice to the Jays because there was, you know, the, they were good last year. They won 91 games. They had a big off season. They, you know, the Matt Chapman trade really is what got people very excited about the Jays. They were like, Oh geez, they've added this other huge bat to their lineup. Holy shit. And then everyone's talking about the Jays in spring training. Like even in the States, like every projection is Dodgers, Jays, Braves, Jays. It's, it's not even just like us being homers. It's, it's everyone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they go and fall down seven, nothing. And then they, they pull off this comeback and everyone's like, damn, like this, this wasn't just talk. This isn't, you know, 2013 where this team's actually dog shit and they're going to fall on their face. This is legit. Like they can erase a seven run lead in the game, not just a game opening day, like a, a game yeah. where everyone's really come to play. Everyone's on their A game and they go ahead and do that. And you see like Yankees fans and Red Sox fans being like, Oh God, this is not what we want to see. This is fucked up. So super exciting to just see that around the baseball world. For the three downs, I think it's fair to maybe just kind of say that from them all together. Yeah, like Barrios, <laughs> Gosman, and Ryu. Neither of them had their A plus stuff. Neither of them had their B stuff, really. I mean, Barrios didn't even get out of the first inning. Boy. What did you think about that? I thought they could have given him a li- like. I, I it's early in the year. The last thing you want to do is have him, you know, give up eight in the first inning and you know numbers are shot and all that i felt like they could have given him one more batter i felt like he was no he he looked he looked completely lost like ah he it was it was pretty short into his start because he wound up pitching 34 pitches but it was like it was probably after 20 pitches you can see him kind of pacing around behind the mound and getting visibly upset and it was like oh geez like he's just not i just felt so bad for him yeah it sucked 
it was really unfortunate, but credit to Jose Barrios. He stayed on the bench and he was cheering for the team in the ninth inning. He didn't go and didn't go and pout about it. He didn't beat himself up. He didn't bring a bad vibe into the room. I just credit for him for taking that. I just really wanted to see. Yeah. I really wanted to see like the, the miracle of like, you get a ground ball, you're out of it and you end up finding a way to give him three. Like, I don't know if you watched the uh, 10 minute YouTube video that the Jays put out as kind of, it was like an inside look into spring training. And they did this scene with Barrios leaving his apartment or whatever in Florida. And he was just talking like so openly and emotionally about what it meant to him to like be here in Toronto and the start and all that stuff. And then to just see it go to shit so damn quickly. I was like, Oh my God, it just felt so bad for the guy. Um, his ERA now sits at 108. So he'll be, he'll be looking to bring that down over the next few weeks. I think, I think he finishes with a better ERA this season than 108. I would, I would, if I could put money on that, yeah. then I would, but I don't know anything about betting. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So those are kind of our three downs. Like you actually had something interesting. Like these were not the only three column high end pitchers in the case of Gosman and, and Barrios. They were not the only ones who got lit up in opening weekend, right? Like this was something we saw across baseball. Yeah, like it was on the first day, it was um, Boston and New York playing and Garrett Cole gets lit up and he only goes four innings. He only has three earned runs. Uh, Milwaukee, one of their best guys, Brandon Woodruff, allows seven earned runs and three and a third. Frankie Montes, who's now the de facto ace in Oakland. He's a good pitcher. Yeah. Um, five earned runs and five innings pitch. Like you kind of go up and down. You saw a lot of different guys just have rough outings. And I think the reality is each one of these guys is used to having more time in spring training. Like Gosman made what one real start in spring training. Mm-hmm. The rest were the minor league games and the sim games. Yeah. Uh, Barrios was having a terrible time in spring. And then he finally seemed like he had it in his last outing. And it's like, you probably would have liked to have one more spring tune up before you come into a game with these kind of emotions. And then Ryu, I mean, geez, I don't know. Like he looked really good through the first three innings and then the, wagon just fell right off the right off the tracks and then you know it was like i said kind of the ra decky comparable you with that guy it seems now is you can tell immediately when the wheels have fallen off it's like everything he throws they just know what's coming it almost feels like a houston astros situation where they're just like oh yeah we know what pitch is coming someone's banging a drum and that's just what happens but i'm i'm, I'm not going to worry until these guys have had i'm going to let them have three starts before i worry about anything that's where I'm at. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. That's what you get before I panic. And as with my take on Barrios getting yanked, like I'm willing to be patient with these guys. I think, you know, you're not, no one's sounding alarms or anything like that because they each had one bad start. I'm, I'm still fairly confident that the rotation will be a very good strength for this team moving forward. No one's panicking here and uh, we'll see what ends up <laughs> happening here in this upcoming series against New York against New York. Uh, let's get into our look ahead brought to you by the sports closet, SportsCloset.ca. wherever you are in Canada, order up new Jays jersey, new Jays hat. Come on, they'll ship to you. Let's do it. I was just at the sports closet by my house today, getting my dad a birthday present. So happy birthday to my dad. Um, I, picked him, I picked him up a new Jersey. Look at that. What Jersey? A uh, nice baby blue George Springer Jersey. That's fun. Oh, you'll be looking good. Um, let's get into this, uh, series coming up against the New York Yankees. Uh, Coombsy, how did the Yankees fare in their, uh, in their first series of the year? Well, I thought we'd be through this by now, but we are right now in the bottom of the ninth in which Boston is leading four to three and Jake Deakman is pitching for the Red Sox as that's where their bullpen's at. But the Yankees have won the first two games of this, this series. So they're going for a sweep right here, but they are currently down. Even if they lose, they take two out of three from Boston. The first weekend of the year, that's 
a pretty A1 result for them. And then the other American League series is predictably Tampa Bay swept the Orioles. And the Orioles scored three runs in four games. <laughs> Wonderful. Great effort, Baltimore. It's going to be a fun year to be an O's fan, baby. Um, four in New York. It's going to be Manoa versus Jameson Talion in the first game. Kikuchi gets game two and Jose Barrios will be back on the bump for game three of this series. And then Kevin Gosman likely in game four. Actually, let me ask you this. Is it confirmed Barrios or do you think there's a chance they go six man rotation and give Stripling a start? I would be kind of surprised because yeah. I don't think Stripling looked very good. He didn't. No. Yeah. No. If like he looked pretty okay in his first outing when he was just being used as a reliever and he came in to pitch one inning, but in his second outing where it was like, okay, you're pitching on one day's rest and you're expected to pitch multiple innings. He just looked lost. Like he couldn't get anything by anybody. So I don't know if we're in the space where if, if Nate Pearson were in the pen and you could do two and two, two and three kind of thing, maybe, but I don't think the pen's deep enough right now since Pearson isn't there to do a six there. Unless they call somebody up and send someone else down. I'd actually probably lean towards Trent Thornton more than Ross Stripling at this point. <laughs> Trent actually looked pretty good this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Nate Pearson update is that he's down in Florida, basically starting spring training over again. Right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we don't, yeah. we probably shouldn't expect Nate Pearson to be in the mix anytime soon. And so then it's going to go, not shocking. it's going to go Manoa, Kikuchi, Barrios, and then likely Kevin Gosman in that fourth game for Toronto. The Yankees threw two games against the Red Sox scored fire, scored uh, an average of five runs in their games. This is an offense that when it gets hot, I think it will be very, very difficult to deal with. I also just think looking at sort of the style of hitters they have sprinkled in that lineup, it's a lineup where when it's cold, it will go very, very cold. Um, I, yeah, I, I think there's strikeouts. I think they're very prone to that with the fact that they, they're, they're gonna, likely going to strike out a lot. Uh, so if you're the Jays, I mean, listen, going to Yankee stadium, like that's maybe the one spot you don't want to go when a couple of your starters struggled early in the year with the way the ball can fly out of the ballpark there. Um, but this is a big series for the Jays. You know, we we've learned this lesson. We'll probably talk about this a lot, but giving up games in April means just as much as giving up games in September, right? Last time the Jays played the Yankees um, last season, things went pretty well for them. So I, I don't know. I I'm reasonably confident they can go out and get a split here. I think that's a, that'd be a good result to kind of expect, but just cause it's April doesn't mean these aren't big games is kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, I mean, I think we can sit here and say, Hey, I'm not going to say Jose Barrios is junk and the mm-hmm. contract's extension was a bad idea because he got lit up on opening day you know, we'll give him a handful of stars, but that being said, you know, the games in April still matter. And, you know, there was a whole bunch of games last year. The Jays would have surely liked to have taken back and they would have made the playoffs, but you know, we all know how tight the American league East is going to be this year. Fan graphs has projected everyone to have the exact same 88 win record. So you have to win your games against the Yankees. And unfortunately they play the Yankees like seven times right off the hop. And you know, those games, those games matter. So two and two, here's the minimum really. You really don't want to have the Yankees ahead, you know, three, one in the season series right off the hop. And the key for the Jays this time around is the pitching simply has to be better because, you know, it's not the Texas Rangers anymore. It's the Yankees. The Yankees have good pitching, you know, it's the, it's not, you know, elite starting pitching outside of Garrett Cole, but you know, they have this unreal bullpen where there's nine different guys who can come in and just shut you down for an inning. So the Jays aren't going to execute a seven run comeback against the Yanks mm-hmm. like they did against the Rangers. So the pitching has to be there. couple numbers, just taking a look here at the Yankees stat sheet, uh, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton, each with two home runs in the opening series for the New York Yankees. And how about this? Josh Donaldson making an impact early. He struck out six times. <laughs> 
Six times in how many games? In three? In 15 ABs. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, we talked about how they're prone to striking out. Uh, Donaldson struck out six times, Stanton four, Gallo and Hicks and uh, Kiner Falefa have all struck out three times as well. Also, how about the story in New York that with this Aaron Judge contract extension? I mean, the way they just came out and were like pretty openly, yeah, we offered him a lot of money and he said no. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it was. It's something I've never seen a GM be, uh, do before. I've never seen someone come out and be that transparent. And I'm not really sure why Brian Cashman decided this was the time for, you know, full transparency. Like it's opening day of the season and you're going to drop that bomb. It's kind of intense, but yeah. I don't know. It seems like a long game play to just show the fans, hey, we offered this guy this cash. And if he doesn't take it, then what the fuck are you going to do? But I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if you want to make Aaron Judge the bad guy. If you want to resign him, maybe you're motivating him for the year. Who knows what the what the play is? But it was very cryptic. It was very weird. The offer was apparently eight years, two hundred thirty-two million, which is an AAV just shy of thirty million dollars a season. Um, Aaron Judge is thirty years old. Often struggles to stay healthy, or has struggled to stay healthy at points yeah. in his career or he turns 30 in like two weeks. Um, If I was his agent, I may have said, hey, do you like it in New York? And if you do, you maybe just sign the $29 million a year guaranteed. My guy that takes you till you're almost 38 like that. Or it would take him because it's reasonable to me to that would take him till he's like 39. Like it it takes him to the end of like, it's it's not like he's 26. No, you know, which is why Harper Manny Machado. Yeah, it was weird. It was unless he doesn't want and maybe he doesn't want to be there. And I also saw someone say that he's a he's the wording they used was he's a union guy. He's going to go fight for the most money possible to help the market. So like, maybe I understand that a little bit more, but it just feels like a weird gamble to take because even if you come out this year and play well, let's say Aaron judge hits 40 bombs is, is he getting that much more than $232 million? May like, maybe, I guess, I don't know. It just, it feels like a weird risk to turn this down. If you're Aaron judge and you like New York, yeah, I guess he's just really betting on himself. The yeah. interesting thing in this situation is because the lockout arbitration all got pushed back. So he doesn't have a contract yet. Mm. He still hasn't gone to arbitration. So yeah. him and the Yankees have submitted offers and he's just currently rolling um, on the player offer until they get to go to arbitration, which could be in like May. So that's really weird. And another thing right there. So it just adds another layer to the chaos. But geez, it wouldn't, you know, if, 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 if that's how you want to motivate Aaron Judge, like, drop the drop the information out in the public like that then sure go for it but all right it's a weird situation you said it split at the minimum coming up here against the new york yankees hopefully we get a bounce back from the pitchers as well and hey last time the jays played early season in new york that's when we got the dominant run from julian merriweather which was a ton of fun as well um i have a hard time imagining that this upcoming series will be as electric as this one against texas was uh, maybe we want it to be a little bit more calm than the one against texas was but either way should be fun big series coomzy you enjoy it Oh, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be tense. So everyone brace yourself. It's going to feel like October. <laughs> Five o'clock starts across the board, all four games. That's going to be a wrap for episode 66 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by BJN or brought to you by DoorDash, where you can use the promo code BJN Pod DD. Second straight podcast. I've messed that up. Uh, gets you That code gets you 25% off and no delivery fees. And hey, maybe you're sitting and you're really confident that the Jays are going to beat the Yankees. Check out our friends at PointsBet. If you're in Ontario, PointsBet Canada is live. Download the app, check it out. Maybe just click through, play play around a little bit, see what uh, their same game parlays can build up for you as well. 
That's going to be a wrap. Enjoy the games against the Yankees, and we'll talk to you after this series. That's precious. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.